let's go, baby. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favorite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. We're back, baby! Welcome to 2024! First podcast of the year. It feels like it's been ages. I couldn't remember how to set up for the podcast or anything. I was like, what do we use when we do the podcast? I oh, know. I can't remember who I was saying it to, but they're like, are you still on this episode? I was like, yes, because we have to do the Christmas one in between. So I'm still talking about this band. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone as well. And they were like, when are you recording? I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. To be fair, we were meant to record last week, but I was like hung over from the two drinks I had. And I just wasn't feeling the energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't put a date on when we'd be back yeah. in January, so whatever. We, we were smart we about that. It's our podcast. We, do we, we can do what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have no real news. No, because it's been Christmas and New Year, and then just those like horrible weeks when you're trying to get into the swinging th- swing of things. Yeah. And you want to die every day. And it's January. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. We have Bring Me to Look Forward to, though. That is next week. I'm very excited about that nine days away yeah but who's counting (laughs) it wouldn't be me (laughs) and I have been kind of keeping up a little bit with it online and what's happening like on the tour so far I'm trying not to have too many spoilers but I'm seeing things that are just making me so excited I think it's going to be such a good gig I think it's so funny that you're like don't see any spoilers I'll just be like show me (laughs) (laughs) I've seen one or two things I'm like oh it looks amazing but it's like I kind of want to wait and see it in person I don't want to see it on Twitter yeah I think my anxiety is just like, no, I need to see everything in advance so I can prepare myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long gig as well because there's three support yeah, acts. Yeah, and Bad Omens have a long set list. Yeah. I'm so excited to I'm see so them I'm so excited well. to see them, yeah. I can't believe that like this time last year, I traveled to Germany to see Bad Omens and bring me at two separate gigs and now they're just playing here together. <laughs> you could have just waited. I could have waited. Or we manifested this. Ah, yes. I feel like we've done that <laughs> for a lot of things. So the All-American Rejects will be playing here next year, probably. Probably. After this episode. I mean, will you be going? I was thinking about this earlier. And I was like, ah, sure, if they put on a gig, I'd probably go, yeah. Just to hear a swing swing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be going with you, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be joining you. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Let's kickstart 2025. This one has so many twists and turns. No, Claire's been texting me since before Christmas, being like, I started the episode. There's so much stuff. There's so much. And I'm like, the All-American Rejects? Oh, really? I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> but the episode comes full circle, which I love. Love a full circle okay. moment. So we'll Let's start go. with the boring stuff. So the All-American Rejects are from Oklahoma and formed all the way back in 1999 by Nick Wheeler, who plays the drums, and Tyson Ritter on vocals and bass when they were still in high school. Little babies. 1999. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. We were nine. <laughs> Just to put that into perspective. And Nick and Tyson are still in the band to this day. And the name apparently is just a random name that they thought sounded cool. No story behind it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> the group made a demo in 2000 with a guy called Jesse on guitar and vocals. And it was engineered, mixed and mastered by Nick. So this demo consisted of 12 songs and is now commonly referred to as the Blue Disc or the Blue Album, which I did not listen to yeah I was like I didn't know anything about this (laughs) Jesse later split from the group and joined a folk group wow yeah big change yeah that's a bit of a departure Mm -hmm. Nick and Tyson made another demo the following year and sent it to an independent record label called Doghouse Records where it was apparently thrown in the bin (laughs) how did they know that um, because apparently some genius intern saved it from the bin and gave it to the label owner and the All-American Rejects were given a recording contract Okay. So they owe a lot to this intern. 
I don't know if they listened to it and threw it in the bin or did they just get it and throw it in the bin? Yeah. Because it'd be awkward if they listened to it first <laughs> and put it in the bin. Their first full-length album was simply titled The All-American Rejects and was released at the end of 2002 along with the first single, Swing Swing, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. I love that song so much. I don't know what it is. I have to say, like, when you chose The All-American Rejects, I was kind of like, meh. Don't know how I'm going to feel about, like, listening to them. But, you know, there are a few singles they have are bops. <sighs> like this. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I just love the song so much. And I kept saying, oh, I have to listen to these records. And then just going, nah, swing, swing. Nah, swing, swing. <laughs> it's just that guitar at the start. Like, just so good. So Nick and Tyson started looking for other members so that they could perform live shows, which obviously wasn't really possible with just the two of them. And so Mike Kennerty joined as the rhythm guitarist and Chris Gaylord joined as drummer. Which I originally thought was Chris Gaylord, but it's not. It's oh, just Gaylord. I did think that's what you said. And I was like, <laughs> say not nothing. To. <laughs> <laughs> Be professional. It's totally, totally fine. This album was released through Doghouse Records, but while touring with Motion City Soundtrack, they caught the attention of DreamWork Records, who then signed them and the album was re-released and went platinum. I'm kind of surprised by their origin. I was looking forward to hearing what their actual origin story was because to me they sound really manufactured. Yeah. Like if you told me that they were like put together and like someone wrote their songs for them and whatever, I would believe you. That's kind of what I thought was going to be coming up. Well, I don't really know if they know knew Mike Kennerty and Chris Gaylor or did they like put out an ad yeah. and like they join them. I don't know. I didn't look too much into that. But they appeared on various TV shows to promote the tour, including The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Ovs, and also play, played Warped Tour and did a second tour with Motion City Soundtrack. They were also scheduled to be the opening act for CKY, but they were kicked off the tour shortly after it started. Because they don't sound anything like them? Yeah, <laughs> I just would not put those bands together. Well, there was a few stories going around, but I read an interview with Jesse Margera, who's the drummer in CK- CKY. And he, brother? Yeah, which I never knew because you know the way Bam Margera always wears CKY t-shirts and yeah, stuff you didn't know that I was like he has some connection to this band but I did not realise it was because his brother was in it yeah I thought everyone yeah. knew that well Jesse Majera stated they were so lame that we couldn't even handle it you know how they're all like emo nerds or whatever seriously it was like hanging out with my little girl cousins we hated them so we kicked them off tour we just said to them if you come to the next show we're going to break all your fingers wow <laughs> I love that. Legends. <laughs> yeah, I think we can safely assume that Jesse Majera is in fact an asshole. And the fact he refers to them as emo nerds and then also his female cousins and then threaten violence. Uh, no, thank you. I think I respect CKY more. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I read that it was literally the only band they could get or something like on the schedule. I mean, yeah, the bands don't go together. But imagine like the All-American Rejects so excited to play this show and they're like, we're going to break all your fingers. <laughs> The single Swing Swing did quite well in both the US and UK, as did the second single from the album, The Last Song, which I don't remember. However, the third single from the album Time Stand Still was essentially a flop, and I don't remember the song at all. Brand new to me when I heard it. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar to me. I mean, I did obviously listen to it because I listened to the album, but I don't recall. Probably just because I was so obsessed with Swing Swing, I didn't. (laughs) So we all know I love a harsh review. And one reviewer from an online publication called Now in Canada said of the album, quote, 
As if their horrifyingly overdone pop-punk thing wasn't bad enough, the All-American Rejects seem intent on embodying their name. Every last song in this record deals with lost love and loneliness. Incorporating the odd classic rock of 80s pop element doesn't improve things. In fact, it makes it worse, since it feels like they've crammed everything they know in here. Harsh. I mean, has she never listened to an emo kind of album yeah, before? <laughs> I mean, like, every last song deals with lost love and loneliness. Hello. It's like every album I love. Yeah. That's what we're here for. I actually did not find this album too bad. I quite enjoyed listening to it. As I said, it sounded very manufactured. Yeah. And it sounded very, like, radio friendly. It sounded like it was created to be used as a soundtrack to, like, The Hills. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. They're the kind of songs that would be playing in the background. Probably of a scene with, like, Audrina, because she was the rock one. And she'd be, like, <laughs> staring off the balcony thinking about Justin Bobby and, like, the All-American Rejects would be in the background. That's, that's just what I thought that of. That is literally the perfect <laughs> description. I wonder if they ever have had a song on the Probably. Hills. Surely they have. I'd say so. But, yeah, I agree. I didn't actually think this was the most emo album they had. No. Yeah. But, like, it was good. It was listenable. I don't think I'll go back and listen again, but I enjoyed listening to it. But like even just listening there or thinking there about the lyrics like that Paper Heart song. It's just so emo. Yeah. Tears stream down your face. That freaks me out with the, the way that it's like offbeat or something. Whatever way the song is, it's really strange. <laughs> it like upset me every time I listen to it. Well, after their touring and promotion, Tyler and Nick, who are the songwriters of the band, spent the majority of 2004 coming up with new material. Their second album... Move Along took a total of seven weeks to record and was produced by Mr. Howard Benson, our familiar friend. Classic. Before the release of this album, the band embarked on their first headlining tour of the US, supported by Armour for Sleep and Hello Goodbye. Do you remember them? Ah! That one song they had. I loved Hello Goodbye. <laughs> no, that album I always had it, like I had on repeat for uh, Yeah, actually, I would associate you with Hello Goodbye. <laughs> Oddly enough. In June 2005, the first single from the album Dirty Little Secret was released, which is a great song. I think it was in that movie, John Tucker Must Die. I'll Believe You. Is that what it's called? That sounds very Yeah, they're definitely violent. like, I think the movies of that time were very like, always about college kids. Yeah. And, like yeah. trying to have sex and like American Pie. Like all those kind of movies, they always had these kind of like pop punk Bands, soundtracks. Yeah. Well, the song was not based on any personal experiences. And Nick said they came from such a small town that they just had to make up some drama and turmoil when songwriting. Around this time, the band added a keyboardist to their lineup, Tim Jordan. So the full album was released in July 2005 and the title track of the album Move Along was released as the second single in February 2006. Maybe that's why they sound manufactured. It's because they don't actually feel anything that they're writing. They're just like making up shit. Yeah, they're like, wait, this is what we're supposed to talk about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they toured with our faves, Fall Out Boy, around North America. The final single from the album, It Ends Tonight, was released that September. And I have to say, I wouldn't pick this as a single because it's not a vibe. It ends tonight. It's just very... Just a little... It's just very <laughs> monotonous or something. I don't know. But commercially, this album did very well, ranking at number six in the Billboard charts and had generally very positive reviews. I do like this album. I found it similar to the first one. Yeah. Like, manufactured, easy to listen to. Yeah, easy to listen to. Nothing on it where you're like, this is a terrible song. Yeah. Just like... And the few singles, like, are bops. Yeah. Maybe not yet <laughs> But the rest of them. Uh. The band started writing material for their next studio album at the end of 2006, but it was a full year before they actually returned to the studio again to record. 
The album was called When the World Comes Down and was produced by Eric Valentine. And I read an interview that Tyson did about this album and it made me laugh a bit because he basically talks about how this album was a journey because he was the grand old age of 23 when he started writing it and he is now 24, which would be the age he'd be if he graduated college. So he's essentially graduating college and figuring out who he is. That's a bit of a stretch, but okay. <laughs> and I was like, I'm 34 and I'm still trying to figure out all the stuff that but I But just because out. you're the age you would be if you went to college after school doesn't mean like, oh, I don't know, a bit strange. A bit of a stretch, I will mm. say. <laughs> Some of the songs took six months to write as he kept going back and tweaking them while others were written during a road trip or recorded in one take. And I can kind of tell some of these songs. In fact, some of them that were six months, I was like, really? <laughs> it took you six months to write this? Yeah, I didn't. I think the album kind of started okay, and then it just kind of... I didn't like this one. This is the one where I was a bit like, mm. I felt like they were trying to do something a little bit different. You know, the old classic. Yeah, the classic. The trying, heaviest like, we've a few ever different done. bits, and then I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe you should just stick to that formula, like, stuff yeah, you normally yeah. do. Well, despite writing in 2005, the album wasn't actually released until December 2008, after multiple pushbacks. The lead single from the album, Gives You Hell, was made available that September through Emeem, which I had never heard of, but it's apparently a social media streaming website. What's it called? Emeem. Emeem? Emeem. Okay. Emeem? Emeem. I meme. You mean? We meme. What do you mean? meme? Two other singles were released, The Wind Blows and I Wanna. And I swear I'd never heard these before now either. Compared to Gives You Hell, which I feel everyone knows. Yeah. So overplayed. I definitely didn't know these ones. Kind of a bop if you're slightly drunk. <laughs> Just slightly? <laughs> I mean, if you're very drunk, it's definitely a bop. <laughs> I read lots of reviews that said the album divided critics, but it mustn't have divided them too much because it was certified gold. I don't know how it can divide critics either because it's very samey samey. Yeah. Do you know, when I, because I wasn't looking forward to listening to them, and then I listened to the first album and it was good, well, good, it was like listenable, and then I listened to the second one and I also enjoyed that, and then I was like, oh, okay, and there's only four albums, so I was like, deadly, like, yeah. I'm going to enjoy this, and then I started listening to this, and I was like, oh no, what have they done? <laughs> I was actually, like, didn't feel too bad about listening to them, but then this album, I think I listened to half of it, and then I was like, I'll listen to the other half on the way home from work. And then when I got out of work, I was like, oh, I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. And then I had to go back and then I couldn't remember the start of the album. So I listened from the start again. That it, took, thing, it just took me like, I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, I have to listen to it. <laughs> that thing happened where I feel like the last ones all kind of merged together. And I was like, oh, hang on, I need to go back and like separate these. Yeah. But the following year in 2009, the band had to cancel a few shows due to Tyson having an injury. He actually performed in a wheelchair at one show, which fair play. <laughs> Reports stated he had a tumour in his knee and had to have surgery to have it removed and it then became infected, but he made a full recovery. Wow. At the end of the same year, Tyson apparently suffered from alcohol abuse due to ending his six-year relationship. So he then threw himself into writing material for the next album, Kids in the Street. I mean, even the name. Yeah. But like, look, he's got some real-life turmoil to write about now. (laughs) Also, I... finally experienced sadness. (laughs) I just want to say about a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about. I mean, I didn't really find much evidence about this suffered from alcohol abuse. He must have said it once or something, but, you know, maybe that was an exaggeration. In which case, maybe we all suffer from it. (laughs) Except you. (laughs) I suffer from... Can't drink. (laughs) Alcohol abusing me, not me (laughs) abusing alcohol. (laughs) Based on various interviews the band did, this record seemed to have been that record. 
where they feel they have completely changed things up and found a new sound. Yeah, and they shouldn't have. <laughs> I was thinking about this, so right? So we're like, they shouldn't have done that. But then Simple Plan didn't do it. And we were like, Christ, talk about something else. <laughs> no, but it's the sound. I don't know. Like, I really, really did not like this album. Like, I struggled with the third one. When it came to this one, I was just like... There's kind of like a string quartet in there at one stage. There was, I think his vocals at one stage reminded me of Jared Way, but like, which sounds like a compliment, but I was like, it just sounded so different to their other stuff. And then there was something else that sounded real Britpop. It sounded like Oasis or something. And I was like, what is going on here? Literally, there was a song, I think it's on this one that I was listening to. And I was like, who does this sound like? I was like, is it the Beatles? And I was listening to it. I was like, no, it's Oasis. It sounds like a ripoff of an Oasis song. Yeah. But anyway, they were proud of it. Tyson said that this record wasn't just a collection of songs. It was a story. And they wanted to push themselves beyond the limits of just two guitars and a bass and a drum. Uh So this album has a lot of keyboards. Mike, the guitarist, also said that when they made this album, they knew they were making a fucking record. Fuck the normal systems of singles and all that stuff. You know? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay, I didn't get that vibe off the the album. Did you get this vibe, though? It was produced by Greg Wells, who is known for his work with the likes of Katy Perry and Adele. It's a complete departure from Howard Benson and Eric Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a complete departure. I actually couldn't, like, finish listening to this. I was so miserable that I, what I did was I, like, skipped to the next song and then, like, kind of skipped to halfway and was like, okay, I get the vibe. And then went to the next song and I did that and I didn't, like, finish the actual album. because what I, if you I missed out on something? Well, that's why I, I tried a oh, little yeah. piece of each song and I was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> I feel like when we pick these bands... We're almost just torturing each other. Like, what can I pick that Danny will absolutely hate to listen to? Oh, well, next episode's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Anyway, okay, okay. Let's not go too far ahead of ourselves. Also, you won't be able to see this if you're listening to us, but I'm wearing my Reaper t-shirt. And I just think it looks great. That's Rupert. He's my cat. And he's got lots of, you know. Isn't it cute? Can you get your butt out of my face? <laughs> Danny got me this for Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Move along, move along. Like I know you do. So at the end of 2011, they announced the album would be released in February of the following year. But again, it was pushed back until it was finally released in March 2012. And the first song on this album, it's called Somebody's Gone, but it literally sounds like Adam Lazara. I was getting some Take Back Sunday vibes. Total Take Back Sunday. I'd actually had to check to be like, is he doing a cameo on this? <laughs> and the lyrics were even something like, what makes you so damn sure? And I was like, hello, make damn sure. Stop copying them. The album was praised by critics, with many pointing out how ambitious the record was and how it called on many different areas of rock and roll. I mean, it did, but like, that wasn't a positive thing. <laughs> What I find kind of ironic is that Tyson gave an interview in which he said, if you really want to know what kids in the street sounds like, it sounds like the All-American Rejects finally got their shit together and wrote a record that was going to keep them around. And they did not really release a full album for a while. Why, like, why do they talk like that? <laughs> I don't know. We made a fucking record. This, uh, this album's going to keep us yeah, around. I mean, fair play, they're proud of themselves, but it'd be a bit like cringe. Yeah, it's a little, little weird. Yeah. Tyson also released a solo single in 2013, which he said was to tide fans over until the next Rejects record. I didn't listen to that. Did you? Uh, no. I just want to know what it sounds like. 
They headlined Slam Dunk in 2014 and toured for about 18 months and in an interview in summer of 2014, Nick mentioned recording their fifth studio album and said it would be very much in the moment writing and recording in the studio rather than writing in advance. Mm -hmm. So they had a plan. However, what we got over the next few years was just bits and bobs. It was a single in 2015, which was featured in the trailer for a movie called Miss You Already, which Tyson actually has a role in, because he's also now an actor. A side note, do you think he looks a spitting image of your man out of Smallville? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Like, just skinnier. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another side note, the woman that he is married to was actually an actress in Smallville. Mm, there you go. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of weird, then. That's if he looks weird. like... Hmm. <laughs> much to think about there in 2016 there was another single called dgaf and in 2017 another single sweat was released mm, beautiful <laughs> sweat i didn't actually listen to that did you no no i stopped listening after it might have been quite catchy who knows we'll never know i feel like i had intended to listen to those few singles but then when the fourth album was so bad i was like i just i'm done yeah i also <laughs> intended to well mostly just that sweat song because to me that sounds like a dance track yeah. Well, because all I'm thinking of, I just want to make you sweat. That was in my head as well. <laughs> <laughs> they did end their contract with the label they were assigned to, which was Interscope Records, because they apparently hated how the label would pay 40 year radio, radio stations to play their songs. And that's not what music is about. Which I get, but also kind of You need is. to promote your music, yeah. so... You know? Like, how else are they going to get on the radio stations? <laughs> Out of pure, like, um, what's the word? Because they're good. I don't think so. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, in 2019, Epitaph Records signed the band and they released a short EP, which was essentially just the singles that they'd already released on an EP. In 2020, when Tyson was asked about releasing new material, he stated, quote, it's not likely the band is going to make another record anytime soon, if ever. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> he then quoted Joni Mitchell by saying, as an artist or a songwriter, you need to know when to stop. Well, I commend that. I respect it. I really I respect, respect that. Like, if you get to a stage where you're like, Do you know what, it's not really working anymore. Don't really know how to make this happen. Let's just stop while the going is. Like, there's been multiple bands we've talked about where they probably should have stopped. Like, a few albums before they actually did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, fair play to them. And it does seem like they have stopped, at least making records, because they played when we were young back in 2022. And last year... They toured 27 states in America on a headline tour. And they will indeed be playing Slam Dunk Festival again this year. And what are they playing? Like their old stuff? Yeah, the tour they did last year is called something like um, a wet hot something. Yeah. I don't know. Swear. Yeah. Wet, wet hot swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, um, they must just be playing their old stuff. But to be honest, it'd be like if I went to see Hotter Nights and I'd just be like, play, swing, swing. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about the rest. That's all I'd want to hear. Maybe my paper heart as well. And a few like dirty little secrets and stuff, but nothing else. So that is where we're at in terms of them making records and everything. I just wanted to get through that really quickly because now we're on to the good stuff. <laughs> okay. So to say there have been multiple controversies would be an understatement. I've never heard a controversy about them. Like in my head, they're basically a pop band that's manufactured, that like releases formulaic songs and... That's it. Yeah. I've never heard anything about them. Well, there was a lot, and I was talking to Danny about this. There was a lot of stuff where I'd see it mentioned once or twice, and then I couldn't find any more evidence of it. So we're going to say this is all allegedly. <laughs> but there was loads. Like, there was multiple articles being like, oh, the American Rejects, controversies explained. But I do want to say, 
what they call a controversy and what we'd call a controversy. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not the same thing. Some of it is a bit like, really? But bit of a stretch. We'll talk about them anyway. For a band whose songs seem fairly wholesome, like we said, and they had to make up drama to base their lyrics on, they've gotten a bit more dramatic over the years. One thing that I saw crop up a few times is the apparent backlash they face over their music videos. Yeah, so I can't say I've ever watched one. Yeah, I can't even think of one. I feel like there's one where he's like standing inside a house in a garden. Yeah, that's, that's the all one I, can I watched. Think of. Yep. So I watched um, the one for Gives You Hell, which is the one you're talking about. And I feel like they must have released two versions because the one I watched was the official one and it was grand. But the complaints surrounding it are about a woman setting fire to a car and violence. But this is not in the actual video. Apparently somebody punches someone and they set cars on fire and everyone's like, can't be teaching our kids this. And people like rode into MTV. Okay, uh, that sounds very mild to me. <laughs> I've definitely seen worse music videos. Yeah, I feel like I have no evidence to support this said statement, but I did see it more than once. So who knows? If anyone knows anything about this, let us know. Cause that- Maybe that's the problem with having like a squeaky clean image as a band and like yeah. to be kind of radio friendly is that then you can't do anything or it's like, oh, monsters. Shocker, you set a car on fire. Um, another thing which I would not have expected from them, but a recurring mention was their bad behavior, particularly on stage. Like doing what? Well, in 2009 at a concert in Brazil, a fan threw a bottle on stage, which is an arsehole thing to do. Who's throwing bottles on stage? Like, you know, but Tyson reacted by hitting them in the face with his okay. microphone. That's pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, if somebody throws a bottle at... Okay, fine. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. It's captured on video and went viral. And Tyson was forced to apologize, acknowledging that he acted impulsively and allowed his emotions to take over. I don't know. Like, I feel like you'd be pissed off if someone threw something at you while you're on stage. Yeah. But like, to... Imagine getting the Immediately mic. just fucking whacking someone's microphone seems extreme. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is not the first time he did something like that. In 2012... He apparently smashed a fan's iPad during a show in Cleveland. So my initial reaction was like, who on earth brings an iPad to a show? But look, this is 10 years ago. Maybe that was a thing. He brought an iPod. I don't know. But after he smashed it, he immediately gave the fan $1,000 in cash to replace it. Again, is he just carrying around $1,000? Was he on stage with $1,000 in his pocket? Yeah, I don't know. Weird. (laughs) Um, Strangely, at the same show, guitarist Mike Kinnerty apparently hit a local photographer in the face as well but invited him backstage straight after and apologised repeatedly. What is the... It's like no one can control themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's like all these instant reactions of violence and then being like, oh, actually, sorry, come on. Well, it was fine because I was impulsive. And then after the show, Tyson took to Twitter and said, while I apologise to Cleveland for being such a lunatic last night, sometimes I get a bit out of control. Good times, though. <laughs> what a weird statement. <laughs> sorry for being such a lunatic, babes, but like, good times. Hashtag making memories. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, Jesus Christ. I know. And the next one I feel is a bit stupid to be fair. Tyson faced a lawsuit following an instant advance warp tour in 2011 because part, as part of a promotion by Monster, he threw out canned drinks into the crowd and ended up hitting one girl in the end quite badly and she needed stitches. A fucking can of Monster would be heavy to throw at somebody. I know, but they, it was, they told him to do it. I feel like he didn't take aim at someone. Maybe he just went like, woohoo, and hit someone, but... <laughs> I'm just thinking of how much it would hurt to get whacked in the head with a can of Monster. Yeah, well, the girl... They're big boys. She did see (laughs) Tyson and Monster stating she did not reasonably expect the large drink to be thrown at her at the time and could not avoid it. 
<laughs> Which is fair. I think if you're so watching it coming towards you. <laughs> I'm just not expecting this. <laughs> She also said it goes against the festival's duty of care, which I think is fair enough. Yeah. So it was kind of his fault for maybe throwing it so hard, but also definitely the festival's fault for being like, hey, this seems like a great idea. <laughs> Not. So that was all the stage inc- incidents. But the band also likes to tweet slash X. What do we call it now? Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, if you post a tweet on X, are you Xing? I don't know. Everyone just calls it Twitter still, or like the app formerly known as Twitter. Well, at one point in time, they appear to throw shade at the kings that are Fallout Boy. I was like, who are the kings? (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. A fan tweeted and suggested that the all-American rejects don't want to change with the times, and there's no way they can preserve their original style without it becoming outdated, and bands like Fallout Boy, Paramore, etc. all realise that. All American Rejects responded to the tweet saying they should have done a song with Wycliffe Jean and that would have been their ticket to relevance and integrity. And Fall Out Boy released a song the same year with Wycliffe Jean, which is also very weird. But <laughs> I mean, I do get where they're coming from. They can't really preserve that style because like that simple plan did and we were like, just shite. Yeah. But they do need to get with the times as well. Although Emo's making a comeback. Yeah, 100%. I don't want to say it's because of our podcast, but it's because of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something I didn't know and again I could not find the reasons why but it is definitely true so the band hadn't played in the UK for 10 years and um, but as mentioned earlier they were announced as part of the slam dunk festival in May this year so they announced the news while stating after 10 years we just got a letter from customs to say that we've been permitted to enter the UK again oh yeah they had alluded to not being able to play in the UK before, with Tyson saying on Twitter that they can't go overseas because of criminal charges against their guitarist and drummer, but nobody really knew if he was joking or not. <laughs> like, because they were impulsive and, like, fucking box the head off people? Probably. Yeah. People were like, is he being serious? But it was definitely a thing where they weren't allowed into the UK. Side note again, there is a list of people on Wikipedia who are banned from the UK, and it's a fascinating list. <laughs> Apparently Mike Tyson is not allowed in because he's a rapist, which is that's fair yeah yeah, yeah i'd yeah. agree with that <laughs> couldn't find the all-american rejects on the list well tyson is also now an actor as we said and last year he revealed that machine gun kelly went ballistic at him over a scene he was discussing with his co-star who happened to be mr machine's fiance megan fox what is he doing in a movie with megan fox i know i can't remember what it was called but i watched the clip of it and i was like this looks terrible <laughs> i think it was about like a serial killer or something But Tyson had a suggestion for this key scene where Megan's character dies and basically Tyson wanted to put his fingers in her mouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) Something like, um, he tried to make it sound like really deep where he was, oh God, that sounds bad. (laughs) Apparently she'd like kill a load of people. I think she was a secure, spoiler alert if anyone wants to watch this movie. And like the thing that she did was like, put her fingers in people's mouths so he was going to kill her and then put his fingers in her mouth to be like, ha-ha! <laughs> Sounds like an excuse to get Megan to suck his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that is so bizarre. So weird, yeah. <laughs> um, so Machine Gun Kelly was, quote, super bummed about me asking if I could put my fingers in Megan Fox's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sentence you never thought you'd say on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, But Tyson was chill. 
And he apparently used Machine Gun Kelly's reaction as inspiration for a character who was playing in another film at the time called Prisoner's Daughter. He played an abusive addict and Machine Gun Kelly's energy was exactly what he'd been looking for in his character. Fair. There's actually mad shit going on on Twitter at the minute with Machine Gun Kelly. He released um, or he like teamed up with some guitar brand to make like Machine Gun Kelly guitar or whatever. And it's like the shape of a razor blade. It looks horrible, like just aesthetically very ugly. Um, And people have been like, oh, that's gross. Or like not a lot of people like Machine Gun Kelly. So obviously there's a lot of people bitching about it and being like, that's gross and whatever. But like people from bands, from other bands are saying like, what the fuck's this and whatever and he's like fighting everyone back of course like, mm-hmm. he is he just needs to be put to bed like I don't get him and there's a mad Ronnie Radke stuff going on as well like a him fighting people and I'm loving it so oh, what's much he, who's he fighting now um, oh god the band has like this crazy name I don't know how to pronounce it it's like Sigurdsson they're like some big metal band or something but he posted some shit and they were they just like quote tweeted it kind of making fun of him yeah and he just like went for them but like he's in their dms and everything he's like come and fight me come and fight me you're so sad sir like please get a grip but i'm really enjoying it i need to go and check this out do Do you you i'll send it to you later no i don't yeah it's like how'd you find this do you just go look at him it's my algorithm shows me shit nice nice (laughs) Yeah, I just, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, don't, I couldn't name one of his songs. Don't think I've ever listened to any of his songs, ever. He's manufactured pop punk, like, well, that latest album. It's because he was doing, like, rap or, like, hip-hop kind of music. Yeah. And he said something about Eminem's daughter, and Eminem came out and, like, absolutely slated him, so he stopped doing that kind of music. (laughs) So now he's trying to be an emo. Oh, well, he can't. You you can't just be an emo, MGK. You have to fucking be born into it. It has to be in your blood. You have to cry the black tears. For anyone who hasn't seen, Danny is also reading a book at the moment about emo. And some of the stuff you're sending me, I'm like, oh, this is so cute. I finished it. It's over there. Oh, I added it to the shelf. The emo shelf. You can't see this. It's called From the Basement. But some of the stuff you're sending me, I'm like, it's just so true. It's a really nice book. Highly recommend Anyway, back to... This is a book book podcast now. I can't talk. A book club. (laughs) Okay, so that's... There was a lot more I could have gone into, but I chose not to because it's just like that random statements about things. Like there was uh, the usual. I think somebody accused Tyson of sexual misconduct or something, but couldn't really find anything. So I was like, I'm not going to put that in there. I'll mention it, but um, you know. And just other random things. Like apparently Mike Kinnerty left and this is like a big, massive deal. And like, it wasn't, I think. (laughs) Basically, I think he left and said it was mutual and, you know, he was all happy. And then fans and people were like, no, it's definitely a lie. I bet it was like, okay. Anyway, I do have one final story about the All-American Rejects. And it might just be the wildest connection we have ever had. Okay, let's go. Are you ready? In 1999, a woman named Jennifer called 911 to tell them someone had just shot her husband. It was the All American Rejects. <laughs> Way to ruin my story. No, it's not. <laughs> the whole band. <laughs> Police officers arrived and found her husband, Tommy, bleeding in the front entrance of their home. He had been shot five times. Tommy was rushed to the hospital but later died, aged just 25. Please. Jennifer claimed that earlier that night someone had knocked on their door looking for money, but Tommy refused to give him any. When the couple were in bed, there was another knock at the door, and Tommy went down to answer. That's when Jennifer heard the gunshots. <laughs> oh, Are you she... living your dream of I'm having a true, true, po- true crime podcast? 
For those who don't know, I love true crime so much. Although she didn't see the shooter, she was implicating the man who came to their door earlier begging. Apparently police found the local beggar. Manny, they were like, hey, was this you? But he was very cooperative and denied any involvement. When digging into the couple's background, police learned Tommy was in line for a promotion at work and had cleaned up his punky look. That didn't sit well with Jennifer. And while her husband focused on his career, she spent all her free time following her younger brother's band around and hanging out with their friends. Jennifer's younger brother was, in fact, Nick Wheeler, drummer of the All-American Rejects. As the band's popularity grew, Jennifer started hanging out at parties and get-togethers and it was at one of these parties where she met a man called Philip Meadows. She began an affair with him when Tommy apparently discovered it and it led to a fight in which the police were called but the couple subsequently reconciled. Following the murder, police interviewed Philip Meadows but he denied being romantically involved with Jennifer and gave an alibi for the night in question, saying he was with two friends. However, a while later, one of those friends was escorted into the police station by his father, where he admitted he had lied. On the night in question, he was driving around with Meadows when Meadows asked to be let out of the car and a few minutes later, they heard the gunshots. So Meadows eventually confessed and revealed it was Jennifer who came up with the plan to murder Tommy. She had actually tried to poison him a few months previously, but when that didn't work, she came up with the plan of trying to make it look like a robbery. So Jennifer was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and then although she was sent to jail, she was released in 2005 after serving four years. Oh my God, four years for killing your husband? Yeah, well... I should have done that years ago. (laughs) I would have been out by now. (laughs) I would have helped you. (laughs) Well, Nick has never really spoken about this. Not surprised. You don't want to be like, yo, that was my sister. And she met this man at one of our parties. That's wild. Awkward. But Jesse, who was originally in the band and left to form that folk group, has spoken about it. And he gave an interview discussing the song the band had written about this incident. He said that Jennifer and Tommy were always there in their everyday life. Everyday life and Tommy was the older brother he never had. And when the tragedy happened, he quit the rejects and was very lost. And that's when he discovered piano and formed the band Other Lives. Sorry, all American rejects have a song about it or other no, lives this, have. So Jesse left to form that weird folk group. And we we're like, how weird? Why would you leave to form a folk group? But he left because he was super depresso that Tommy had been shot by Jennifer. And then he formed his folk group and then he wrote a song about it. Okay. Because I was thinking like if the all American rejects never comment on the fact that like one of their members' sisters is a murderer, but then they wrote a song about it. I was like, that's kind of weird. I wonder how that song would go with their... Help, how goes the gun? My heart is crushed by a bullet hole. Maybe that is what it's Cover up the murder. Because when you look up All American Rejects, the first thing that comes up afterwards is like All American Rejects murder. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So we've gone full circle. All American Rejects, you would have thought they were some wholesome band who had no drama, no controversies, nice people. Maybe they are nice people, don't mean to say they're not, but there is, there's a lot there. Yeah, that's, that's not the ending I was expecting. <laughs> and I'm just thinking now, I'm like, how many episodes have we done that have a fucking murder in them? Two, at least. Well, we've got the Escape the Fate one with fucking Ronnie. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one, and then... Uh, a Day to Remember. A Day to Remember. Yeah. A lot of murder. No, it's not just fucking perverts around here, bro. Perverts and murder. I'm like, <laughs> we need to rename this perverts and murder. <laughs> Hashtag perverts and murder. 
So that was it. Um, I feel like I've been doing this episode for about two months because I had to obviously pick it before the Christmas one. Yeah. And it was hard. It was hard trying to sift through what might not be true because I do want to point out, obviously, when we write these episodes, it's really boring if you're like, they're just really nice people and they donate all their money to charity and we have nothing bad to say about them. Because nobody wants to talk about that. We want to hear the bad stuff. So even though I'm talking about bad stuff, I mean, maybe they're all cool. <laughs> Apart from Jennifer. Jennifer, Damn decidedly Jen- not cool. <laughs> Boo to Jennifer. Although, maybe your husband was a prick. Maybe he deserved no, it. No, Tommy, just because he okay. lost his punky look. And she said, here, I don't fancy <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh, listen here, Clara's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you better start wearing, I don't know. I was like, he doesn't really have a punky yeah. look, to be fair to him, so he can't lose it. Um, that's it, what do you think? Wild. Yeah, wild. <laughs> did you think we'd be talking about murder? No, I did no. not. Even when you were like, you're not going to see this coming and all. I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't lying. To be fair, I didn't like think about it too much or like try to guess what was going to yeah, come, but yeah. like, I wouldn't have said murder now, to be honest. Would you not have known? No, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> Are you glad we're finished listening to them? Yes, <laughs> I'm very glad. I finished last week and... I do not want to go there again. Do you have a song on repeat if you had to pick one? I can't remember what song <laughs> it was that I chose because I think I just kind of chose it randomly. But um, honestly, I'd probably, I would probably say Give You Hell just when I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Swing Swing because it's not a lie. I put it on repeat all the time. I love that song so much. And whoever is DJing at the next Outcast, if you could please, please <laughs> put on this song for me and Hawthorne Heights, that would be great. I think... Um, I did go back and listen to the singles a few times because I was like, they are kind of bops. But like, I would I probably wouldn't do it again. <laughs> but if you were at a wedding or a night out and they came oh, on, yeah. oh yeah. I would be swing swinging, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I need to look up to the name of the song that My one to skip was Mona Lisa, but I can't remember how uh, that goes or anything. It's an acoustic it's boring. But then when I got to the fourth album, I was like, I could choose any of these songs to skip because I don't want to listen to them. I can't remember the one, the name of the one that I wanted to skip, but it was the one that sounded like Oasis. Oh, I don't know which one that was. Is it I For You, maybe, or something? No. But literally, it just sounded, it honestly just sounded like a ripoff of an Oasis song. So weird. Did you notice one of the songs had a female singer in it as well? Yeah. Who was that? Apparently it was two. Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer came back. <laughs> apparently it was two singers their sisters this from alabama or something because i actually was like oh i wonder who this is i wonder if it's like you know someone i'd know and i took out my phone but it didn't actually yeah. say who who it was yeah i think they had an album in like 2011 and that was about it mm. sisters yeah that's it who are you forcing me to listen to next time it, it's not like bad i just think it's going to be interesting but is there many albums that's the main question there's a few I can't remember how many. Oh, when are we going to find time to listen to my true crime podcast? <laughs> you made your own. You don't need to listen to them anymore. I think there actually is a few episodes about this murder. I'm going to listen oh, to it. Yeah. Go on a deep dive. Deep dive. Our next episode is oh. going to be an interesting little journey. Oh. Because it's on Hey Monday. I don't know. Um, hang on. Female singer? Yeah. Uh, what's her name? She does Cassidy that song. Poe. She does a song with Taylor Acorn. Yeah. So we need to... Hey Monday only have one album. So we're also going to listen to Cassidy Pope. No. She's got maybe four. Okay. So I think we need to listen to everything because it's like a really interesting story, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about. And then I listened to a podcast that she was on and I was like, this story is crazy. So then that was my inspiration for choosing that for the next episode. I think when she released that song with Taylor Acorn, because I love Taylor Acorn, I did see something 
about something like not controversial but something that suggested her leaving was a I don't know so okay okay so that's some new new music for me her solo stuff is kind of country that's why it's interesting (laughs) but you like Taylor Swift so like whatever yeah I was gonna say well then can we listen to Taylor Swift no Taylor Acorn is also very country yeah so but I've actually I've heard a few Cassidy Pope solo songs and I quite like them so it's not like I mean, I don't know how the, listening to all the albums are going to go, but like, she definitely has some good songs. So it's not like uh-huh. very bad. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Okay. We'll be back with those full opinions. So next time when we're back, we will have been to Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, I will have become a country singer. <laughs> she will have started her true crime podcast, Perverts yeah, and Murders. Yeah. And who knows what else will have happened? But we're excited for this to be the first episode of 2024. Yes. And it's nearly our year anniversary. Yes. Only like a few days or something. That's exciting. Yeah. It's been a whole year since we released our first episode. Mm-hmm. I would really not like to go back and listen to them. No. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Maybe we'll redo them sometime. <laughs> we won't. It's there now. That's it. It's just like people say things to me all the time. They're like, huh, you know, in that episode where you said this? And I'm like, no. Yeah. I have no recollection. I Even do not go back and listen to the bands. I'm like, mm, what? <laughs> really? That happened? Couldn't tell you anything. They're all perverts. That's about it. Yeah. And murderers. Someone's like, oh, what's the controversy about that band? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, you did an episode on it. I'm like, I don't recall. <laughs> You're going to have to listen. Yeah, that's it. Listen that's to the serious. podcast if you want to know. Okay, bye guys. See you for the next episode. Bye. Bye.